Hi there and welcome to 99 Yards American Football for UK fans. We really enjoyed the 2018 review of the college football season, so much so that we're back to talk more college ball as a regular feature. I'm your host George Somerville and this week I'm joined again by fellow 99 Yards college writers Ollie Hodgkinson and Alex Chinnery. Hi guys, how are you both? Yeah, not so bad, thanks George. Just about uh, recovered from the Super Bowl, so uh, yeah, looking forward to getting into some college football. Yeah, feeling great. My time of year, draft season, recruiting season, perfect. It's a, it is a busy old time of the year, so let's get straight uh, to it. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about some recent college transfers, the Senior Bowl and Shrine Game, pick out our top prospects and our first top 10 picks mock draft live on the pod. So let's drive straight into the first uh, topic. There's been a lot of debate about the college transfer system. Recent high-profile transfers have been quarterbacks Justin Fields, Tate Martell and Jacob Eason. Guys, the rule is really in place to allow for the transfer of players who wouldn't otherwise be playing. What's your view on the transfer rule? Is it working out as designed or is it being flaunted by young players, which the rule isn't really designed for? Um, I mean, firstly, um, have either of you read the NCAA transfer rule book? Um, I, I have to say I haven't, Ollie. I know it a little bit, not... No, I, I had a flick through. Um, I, I'd like to think I'm a relatively um, intelligent person, um, but the the in-depth nature of that rule book is, is really something else. Um, I think the, the question... For me, more than is it being flaunted by the young players, is is more why why are play, more players looking to transfer? Um, you see, the problem now in football is the clamour to get to the NFL and earn that payday. College athletes aren't paid, so the lure of the NFL and that big payday, players can't really now afford to just sit and wait to play. Um, they need to get they need to get material on tape for the NFL teams to get an idea of how good a talent they are. Um, if you look at this year's draft class, it's made up of a 135 underclassmen, I believe. Um, you can't just wait behind other players to move up to the NFL anymore. You want to be the players that, as juniors, are making that transition. Um, so for me, I, I don't think the problem is how the rules um are being targeted by players. It's it's the why um, on that front. Yeah, I agree. I agree similarly in that the rule book isn't very clear, as you just said. And so some of these players are able to leverage working with lawyers to get immediate eligibility and some aren't. But the main issue around it is the coaches at these programmes can move at the drop of a hat. And so someone who's just recruited you or someone who was a central figure and you go into study at that university to play football at that university can move on with with real ease, but the players can't. And it's time to let them, in, in my opinion, you should be allowed immediate eligibility on your first transfer. Because if that situation isn't right for you, you're still a kid, you're learning, you're getting an education, you should have the ability to move once, maybe twice even, without penalty because you need to be doing what's best for these kids they're the they're the currency of college football they're what makes the game great let's help them out you're not paying them you're already taking you're already making a, a huge killing off of them without giving them any any part of it you've got to try and make their lives easy 
And I think I think that's the point, Alex, isn't it? It seems a bit rich that um, the, the the teams are saying, well, you know, it's 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 at best disrupting um, uh, the, the system, and, and at worst, it's um, detrimental to the to the university. And by that, I think they mean the, the team, um, which means that you can restrict the player, but um, you're happy to um, uh, leverage on the back of um, the, the, the player's name, the player's talent, um, and actually they do that for, for many years to come, and that's probably the subject of a topic on another pod, but um, it seems a bit rich that um, they would want to restrict the players um, from from moving on when principally these guys aren't um, aren't playing, right? They're not, they're not first choice, which is why they're, they're, they're wanting to, to move on. And, you know, I mentioned the transfers of Fields and Martel and Eason, um, all of whom are um, quarterbacks. Which of these guys or any of the others uh, that, that, that catch your eye? Well, for me, you've got to go back to the guy who started this transfer merry-go-round. About this time last year, Jacob Eason announced he was transferring away from the Georgia programme. He was beaten out by Jake Fromm towards the end of that year. Obviously, Fromm's an incredible talent, young, rising freshman at that point. And so, see, he transferred out. He's gone to Washington. He was made to sit a year. And really, the college football world has forgotten just how talented this guy is. He's going, obviously, to Washington, playing under Chris Peterson, who's a fantastic coach, a fantastic program, really in a division that isn't that strong. And so he can have a real impact there if he goes and and really sort of puts himself about, makes a name for himself in that Washington offense. Yeah, I mean, George, you mentioned um, Tate Martell and Justin Fields um, in your original question. Um, obviously, Fields transferring to Ohio State has, has kind of rained on Tate Martell's parade a little bit. Haskins has gone off to the draft. Um, Martell thinks he's going to walk in as the starter for the Buckeyes. And then they bring in Fields and he's kind of seeing his career path there blocked off. So he's jumped ship to Miami um, unless um, they find some legality, a legal way round. He'll sit for next year. Um, but obviously he thought he was going to be the starting quarterback for the Buckeyes and, and he's, he's not going to be now, probably. Um, one for me that's quite interesting. Um, we looked at Notre Dame a lot this season. Um, Brandon Wimbush, he obviously... Um, was beaten out by Ian Buck to the starting job at, at Notre Dame, and he's going to go off to UCF now. Um, I find that quite interesting, and it makes me wonder what maybe the future holds for Mackenzie Milton in terms of his comeback from the serious injury, injury he sustained this year. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I mean, I think um, that I mean, it was a horrible injury, right? So um, it clearly, and a long-term injury as well. Uh, you know, I was never greatly impressed by Winbush at, at Notre Dame, but. Um, you know, we've seen pl- many players um, move from one program to the next, and 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 really flourish in in, in a new environment. So, you know, kind of kind of good luck to him, I think. Um, but you know, he's he's not the the quarterback I thought he, he was going to develop into um, at Notre Dame, and actually, you know, uh, Ian Book came in very quickly and took that job from him. While we're on the subject um, of transfers, an interesting story to come out of USC um, this week with Brew McCoy decommitting from USC to move to Texas. What do you make of him ripping up his letter of intent, guys? He's making a great decision. And, you know, maybe you can accuse me of some Texas bias here, being a Longhorns fan, but he was recruited 
under the idea he was going to play for Cliff Kingsbury. And Cliff Kingsbury was the darling of of offensive football at the time he was hired by USC. So much so that he's gone from being a failing head coach at Texas Tech to a whistle, you know, a really short stop in USC, and now he's the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL. You know, he was recruited, McCoy was recruited to play under this guy. That's why he flipped in the first place to USC. Now he's back at Texas, he's got some stability under Tom Herman, and what a fantastic prospect for Texas to be getting. You know, the number three class overall, they're trending upwards, and it's a really, really good move for them. Yeah, I mean, a comment that you made earlier, Alex, about um, players, um, sorry, coaches being able to move quite easily from team to team. They seem to be able to turn their back on the contract, whereas players don't seem to have that same freedom, um, is obviously the case here. Um, McCoy makes the headlines because he's the five-star recruit, but he's not the only USC player that's looking to get out of there since Kingsbury jumped ship to Arizona. Um, it does seem like... It's not just the Kingsbury thing down there at USC. They do, you know, I've heard some um, some rumours of other other bits and pieces going on behind the scenes there, which maybe that's having a, an influence on on these um, players wanting to get out of that situation. Um, it does seem uh, a bit of a mess um, at USC, and and there's been stories for the last couple of years uh, or last couple of seasons. I wonder how how long. Um, Clay Hilton's actually going to be able to hang on in there because uh, it doesn't seem as if that program's moving forward. And I think to to lose someone of McCoy's status, I think it's going to be a difficult um, a difficult thing to recover from. And, and I read a bit that I think on the back of uh, Brew McCoy um, decommitting um, the suggestions that um, I, I'm not sure I haven't followed how it went today, but um, maybe the, um, the the quarterback doesn't um, doesn't sign up as well. But just going back to the Brew McCoy thing. Um, do you think he gets a waiver? Because you know it's all dependent on him getting a waiver to play this this year. And you know, again, not being familiar with the rule book, but I'm but I'm not sure that the um, moving from uh, one school to the next because your head coach has um, has has moved um, it gives you a, an instant waiver. So, what's your thoughts on that? Well, personally, I think if Georgia, sorry, Georgia, if USC are happy to rip up his letter of intent then the NCAA should give him immediate eligibility. Because there's nothing stopping him there. There's no no party that's hurt by him moving. If USC don't or, or kick up a fuss ripping up his letter of intent, then he will probably be made to sit out a year. I'm not sure that sitting out a year isn't the worst thing for him. He was a two-way athlete in high school. Whether he it's questionable whether he could come in and be an immediate contributor at wide receiver, which is probably where he's going to play. Maybe he's sitting that year, effectively a redshirt year, to get ready to get into the offense. And when um, Little Jordan Humphrey goes next year, then they have Brew McCoy to come in with oodles of eligibility. I think probably sadly it comes back to something that Alex mentioned earlier. It's um, what's your legal representation like? Um, which is a sad state of affairs in in sport. You know, I appreciate the, the NFL is a big business, um, but we we sit down to watch a sport, and you don't want to you don't want to think of um, all the legalities and legal representation, and whether you can get a great or can't get a great lawyer as to 
deciding uh, what is essentially a young lad's future um, at the end of the day. Yeah, it's quite amazing because, again, um, in a similar position to Tate Martell and um, read a little bit about um, he's 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 now seeking um, uh, you know legal representation, but actually one of the avenues is open to him is to accelerate his graduation. So for anyone who watched um, QB1 and thought you know Tate Martell has just um, just started um, university, here he is. He's almost um, he's almost graduating um, to to get him um, a move um, or, or sorry, he's got his move to to, to Miami, um, but. We're talking about um, you know uh, the, the the transfers. We're now really um, essentially moving on to the uh, the road to the draft. Um, and I know you guys spent a lot of time watching the Senior Bowl and the the Shine Game this year. Alex, do you want to talk us through who you thought elevated their position in, in the week of the Senior Bowl? The Senior Bowl is probably my favourite week in terms of draft analysis. It's like a a real geek week for draft nuts like myself. Um, I'm going to do three offensive prospects, actually, and what is a, a defense-heavy draft. I think Dalton Reisner, the O-line prospect from Kansas State, he's played tackle, a lot of right tackle at Kansas State, probably figures to kick inside to guard. He had an amazing week, brilliant in one-on-ones, and then absolutely shut down Montez Sweat in the game. He's a real high-character guy. I expect to see him go in around pick 20, 25, that sort of range. He's a really good prospect. If you pick him up, he's going to lead your offensive line for years to come. Secondly, wide receiver is a position that hasn't really been talked about in this class yet, but it's an incredibly deep group of wide receivers. It's probably not a top 10 talent, but that next range from sort of 20 to 50 is full of really, really talented players. First of them, Terry McLaurin from Ohio State has speed for days. He wowed everyone in one-on-ones, consistently getting separation, came up big in the game, and has a real good special teams ability in history at Ohio State. I think he probably elevated himself from a day three pick to a day two pick, and would be a really good pickup in the, in the third round. You, know, you get maybe a, a wide receiver three for your team, and a consistent special teams contributor is a perfect pick. Finally, is a guy that was probably going to go late first, early second last year before injury, and that's Debo Samuel. Had a quiet year at at South Carolina, but really announced himself back on the stage at the Senior Bowl, was far and away the best player at the whole event all week, and really showed himself up as a a, a can't-miss receiver prospect almost. I really like his fit in Pittsburgh. Should they trade Antonio Brown? He's the perfect kind of guy you could bring in and be a number two opposite Juju and would be do big, big things in that offence. And Ollie, I know you're a big advocate of the Shrine game and, and, and wrote a really good article about this on, on 99 Yards recently. For anyone who isn't familiar, what, what is the Shrine game and, and who caught your eye uh, this year? Um, so whilst the Senior Bowl gets the majority of the attention from the uh, All Star Games, the Shrine Game has actually been the longest running of the Shrine Game uh, of the All Star College Games. Um, it's held the weekend before the Senior Bowl um, and ha- plays hosts to um, not just um, prospects from colleges in the US but also from Canada as well. Um, similar to the Senior Bowl, two teams um, which are coached by NFL personnel. Um, this year, Sam Mills of the Panthers, he took the East team, and Adam Zimmer of the Vikings, he was um, responsible for coaching the West team. Um, it gives the players the first-hand experience of working with the NFL coaches, 
And for the coaches, it gives them a first-hand look at players who might not feature so highly on some of the big boards um, going into going into the process. So um, a few players that caught my eye. Um, West quarterback Brett Rippon out of Boise State. Um, 10 of 14, 134 yards and a touchdown um, in the game. He actually leads them out in West all-time in passing yards. I thought he looked composed in the pocket. Um He's not going to figure too highly um, in the quarterback class when you're looking at Haskins, maybe Murray, Block, um, Ryan Finley. Um, but I thought he put in a, a really good performance against some more well-known quarterbacks that were at the Shrine game, such as David Blau of Purdue. Um, so I think he, he's probably put himself in the conversation um, to get a, to be a late late round pick at quarterback, Brett Rippon. Um, for the East, wide receiver Terry Godwin, the second out of Georgia. Um, four receptions, 80 yards, two touchdowns in the game. Um, he'd had only three touchdowns all season for Georgia. He has struggled with injuries in the past, which obviously throws up red flags when we get to this time of year and we're putting, um, putting the prospects through the paces at the Combine. Um, I thought he showed good hands, um, good speed, um, though he did have a, a a drop pass on a, a lateral as the time expired um, as the East tried to get back in the game with some trickery at the end. Um, whether teams will take too much out of that, I don't know. Um, and then a defensive prospect um, back on the West team, uh, Justin Hollins out of Oregon. Um, he had 10 tackles, two sacks, and actually took away defensive MVP of the game. Um, interestingly, Hollins, he can play defensive end or outside linebacker. So he's got that versatility that um, teams will crave in the NFL. Um, he looked good stuff, uh, run stuff in. He looked good getting after the quarterback, as his two sacks testify to. In a class that's quite loaded with defensive end talent, he could even fall as um, as low as round five, and you're going to pick up a real bargain that late in the, in the day. Um, so those three players that really caught my eye. A couple of other guys who I thought impressed over the whole process of the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl. Um, so, Dalen Mack, a defensive lineman out of Texas A&M, and Jimmy Moreland, a cornerback out of um, James Madison. They um, were invited to the Shrine game, impressed so much in that week and in that game that they were then invited to the Senior Bowl and continued to build through that process. Um Jimmy Moreland, cornerback, as I said, out James Madison, FCS player. They really use these games to um, get into the nation's eye, where they may not be um, not normally be seen on a week-to-week basis during the college football season. So I think they're two guys who really made money out of the the process. So that's where those um, th- those weeks and those games really come to the the fore, because as we've seen before. So many players, um, uh, Baker Mayfield's one that, that really do rise to the occasion and, and their draft stock um, increases dramatically as the week goes on. Um, while we're on the subject of the draft, I um, wanted to pick your brains about who your favourite or top prospects um, that perhaps the listeners might not be so, fam- so familiar with. Um, who should um, we be watching out for in the lead up to the combine? So, back on it again. Back on the Texas train again. Linebacker Gary Johnson. He was a senior. I still don't know why he didn't get a senior bowl invite. I was gutted that he didn't because I really wanted to see him in that setting. He has speed, coverage ability, makes plays in the middle of the field. 
Uh, he's good, can rush the passer, gets involved in the run game. Was really, um, sort of really a good production guy throughout the last couple of years. There is some questions over a possible failed test earlier in the fall um, when he missed the game. That's not confirmed. It's the kind of thing that doesn't get confirmed. You just sort of put two and two together. Um, but if you get him on day three, it's a really good pick. I think you're getting a great player and someone who can contribute as long as he adapts to the speed of the NFL game. Another guy I really like is an edge rusher out of Old Dominion, O'Shane Zimenez. Has the chance to be the first ever Old Dominion player picked in the draft, I believe. I think it was Todd McShay who I saw that from um, earlier today. His prospects are probably hurt by the depth of this edge class. It's a hugely deep class. He's got talent, but he's probably going to be available in the sort of late second round, maybe early third if you're lucky kind of range, just because this class is so stacked. You're going to pick up a fantastic, really productive edge player who plays the run really, really well. He had 18 and a half tackles for loss this year at Old Dominion. And he is—he was the star on that defense, so teams were running away from him whenever they played. Yeah, that's just how productive he was. Um, for me, I mean, Alex mentioned um, Debo Samuel in his um, senior bowl review, and, and I mentioned Terry Godwin the second. Um, looking at wide receivers, how about Andy Isabella out of UMass? Um, the guy led the nation in receiving yards this year, and it wasn't even close. He's a good, um, a good 200 yards in front of uh, the next guy. I think it was Tylan Wallace. Um, at five foot ten, people will point to his lack of size, um, but let's be honest, you don't have to be tall to catch a ball when you're five, ten yards ahead of your man. Is so fast um probably got a little bit of work to do in terms of efficiency with how he puts that speed down he looks to try and maybe do too much with his feet but um if he can get that working he's he's got speed to waste i see him being a third or fourth round prospect um and i think that you get uh, you're getting an absolute bargain with andy isabella um another guy i'm quite quite hot on. I'm staying in Massachusetts um, for my other guy to watch. Boston College have got three defensive backs in this class um, and I think Ham Cheevers might be the best of them. Um, again, another nation leader. So he led the nation in interceptions this year with seven. Um, another small guy. Um, it's, I think he's 5'10", 5'11". But he has got the ball skills and the change of direction speed probably to succeed in the league as a nickel corner. Um, I think he's one guy to watch out for. So you you, you totally stole my thunder there, um, Ollie, about uh, Andy Isabella because um, he definitely came out of the week of the senior bowl with um, um, a quite um, quite a fanfare, um, and um, I, I love a I love a soundbite, but. Um, um, Mike Renner had, had, had tweeted um, uh, the, the week of the, the senior bowl, if you don't get your hands on it, Andy Isabella, you're toast, um, which suggested that he just had he, he had such a good week. Um, and I think um, he is definitely one to watch. Um, so on the basis of you stole my thunder, I, I've got two. And I'm trying hard not to make this Texas fest, but Alex is, um, is definitely <laughs> off on that. But, um they, um, listen, this is not a name that uh, will be of, uh, of news to, to people, but um, a guy who um, featured in a lot of first-round uh, mock drafts and has kind of fallen away uh, only because um, of the depth of this draft is um, Chris Boyd, the cornerback at Texas. Um, and again, I think he had a, he had a pretty good um, a pretty good week. 
Um, there's a lot of talk about his, his height um, and his flexibility, um, but I think he did enough um, to um, to get him back in the, in the discussion. I don't think he goes in the first round, but um, he certainly could go um, um, very quickly after. And I find it hard to believe that I'm talking on a podcast about a player who comes from Washburn University, but um, Corey Ballantyne, another cornerback, um, had a particularly good um, week. Um, again, exactly the same height um, as uh, Chris Boyd, um, but um, was particularly um, physical in, in, in his coverage. So um, not a name that's likely um, to go um, uh, even remotely close in the early rounds, but it's always fun to watch out for um, some of these um, uh, players as they um, as they, um, the, the draft uh, unfolds. Um, so there's the names that we... Um, We've kind of highlighted just now, um, as we know, um, the mock drafts change frequently. Um, and, and speaking of mock drafts, um, you may have read our way too early mock draft uh, on 99 yards back in uh, October, I think it was. Um, much has happened since then because that mock draft was way too early. Um, and given it's a season for mock drafts, we, we thought a top 10 mock live draft on a pod would be a bit fun and get the ball rolling for what will be a fascinating lead up to the draft in Nashville, Tennessee. So with that said, uh, I declare the 2019 99 yards top 10 mock draft open. Um, And with that, the Arizona Cardinals are now on the clock. Now, I also published my first solo mock draft in mid-January. And I think I wrote something along the lines of the Cardinals would be stupid to not take Nick Bosa with this pick. I've since sat down and watched some film um, of Quinn and Williams, and that's the pick here, defensive tackle from Alabama. They have more of a need on the inside of their D-line rather than the edge. They've got Chandler Jones there. He's good coming off the edge. Rather than pairing him up with another edge prospect, get someone in the middle, cause some inside pressure onto your quarterbacks. You've got some fantastic offensive players in that division. Let's load up, but in a different position and create different pressures. So Quinn and Williams, defensive tackle from Alabama, is the pick at number one. And with that, the San Francisco 49ers are now on the clock. And with the second overall pick in the 99 yards top 10 mock draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Nick Bosa, defensive end from Ohio State. Um, Despite sitting out most of the season injured, um, for me, Bosa is still the best player in the draft. Um, he's going to wreak havoc in the NFC West for years. Um, let's hope for his sake, he's the injuries behind him. He's that you know the Bowser history of injuries. We've seen it with Joey Bowser. Um, let's hope that's not something that continues for Nick. He's he's going to be some player in the NFL um, for a number of years. And um, with that, the New York Jets are on the clock. And, um, and with the, the third pick of the um, of the draft, the New York Jets pick. Uh, Josh Allen, um, defensive end for um, Kentucky. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of chat um, in various mock drafts, and and I think we gushed about um, Josh Allen in our last um, college podcast. Um, uh, Here's a guy that um, has has ranged from uh, the first pick um, all the way down to the 10th pick, um, and he's a superb athlete. Um, I think uh, the Jets will be very happy um, they've got um, someone of this calibre you know the depth of this um, this draft is now um, well well publicised, but to get um, someone like Josh Allen at this, I think, um, uh, will be um, a significant upgrade for the Jets who need uh, who need a lot of um, a lot of help. 
Um, and with that, they um, um, well, can I call them the Las Vegas Raiders? Maybe not yet. The Oakland Raiders are now on the clock. I think I think we'll just go with the Raiders because we still don't know where they're going to play next year. I'm going. I've gone edge rusher here. I've gone Brian Burns from Florida State. Now Burns has seen probably the most meteoric rise of draft uh, in the draft so far. He has an awful lot of talent on the edge, and I think people are just catching up to his film and seeing that. He is, in my opinion, the third best edge prospect in this class. The Raiders need difference makers on both sides of the ball. And I think edge is the position you go with who's come off the board and and who's left. Get Brian Burns in there. He's not as heralded a name yet as Nick Bosa and and Josh Allen or even possibly Cleveland Furl. But he could be a difference maker. He fits the scheme and he's just the type of player you want coming off the edge in the silver and black. And with that, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are now on the clock. And with the fifth overall pick of the 99 yards top 10 mock draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Devin White, linebacker, LSU. Um, the books have got holes all over the roster, um, except probably for defensive end. Um, so White gives them a dominant force at linebacker. Um, his loss, it was truly felt by LSU in the first half against Alabama when he'd been um, he'd been kicked out of the game, the previous game for uh, targeting. Um, they were they just LSU were a different team when he wasn't in it, um, and I think he'll um, he'll make a big difference to that Tampa Bay unit. Um, with that, the New York Giants are on the clock. No, no one to big up this pick, but um, I have the feeling that this might be the most anticipated pick in the, in, in the first round because um, the New York Giants are um, uh, much publicised as to as to where they might have some needs. Um, and and uh, with the sixth pick of the, the draft, the New York Giants um, do in fact pick a quarterback, uh, Dwayne Haskins of Ohio State. Um, and... Uh, anyone who's been following mock drafts over the last couple of weeks um, have seen a variety of of, of, um, of nonsense where um, uh, several uh, teams are, are trading up um, uh, to get um, uh, Haskins um, or Drew Locke um, or, um, or indeed Kyler Murray, if that turns to be, to be the case. Um, but I think the Giants um, will um, get um, a quarterback in this um, uh, in this draft, the only thing that's going to hold them back from getting Dwayne Haskins is, in fact, if the Broncos um, uh, trade up um, to maybe um, number number two or number three to, to make sure that they, they, they get him. The question is whether um, Haskins is worth trading up to number two or three to get it. But I think by this, um, they, they, get, um, they get a quarterback, a mobile quarterback. Uh, and frankly, the, the the proposition of having uh, Saquon Barkley and Dwayne Haskins um, as um, as your QB and running back is um, is uh, is quite appealing. Uh, and with that, the um, the Jacksonville Jaguars are, are now on the clock. The Jacksonville Jaguars select Jonah Williams, offensive tackle, Alabama. And I think he is a tackle. I think you at least you give him. You give him a shot to play tackle in the NFL, and if it doesn't work, you kick him inside and you've got a pro bowl guard. Williams is so talented. You don't start as a freshman on Alabama's offensive line unless you are an other-world talent at the position. I think he's got everything you need to succeed down in Jacksonville. I imagine that they're going to go with a... An older quarterback, they're not going to get burnt trying to go f- and draft someone like they were, 
did last time when they drafted Blake Bortles and it didn't work out. They're going to go for a proven commodity. It's a win-now team. Put Williams on it. Get some leadership in that team. And go again. Load up again. Try and get to the Super Bowl. Because they've got the talent to do it. And with that, the Detroit Lions are now on the clock. The eighth overall pick of the 99 yards top 10 mock draft. The Detroit Lions absolutely sprint to the podium to select Cleland Farrell, defensive end of Clemson. Um, for me, Farrell's the best available player here. Um, I also think he's one of the um, the best edge rushers in the class. I've watched a lot of Clemson this year. I think he's going to give Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers and Mitchell Trubisky absolute nightmares for years to come. Um the Lions, they've, you know, they've currently got Ziggy Anzar in there. He's often injured. Um, I think Farrell goes in there immediately, he upgrades the position, and he's a starter for the, the Lions for as long as they can keep hold of him. Um, and with that, the Buffalo Bills are on the clock. Um, and with the ninth pick of the uh, 99 yards live mock draft, um, the Buffalo Bills pick, um, Rashan Gary, uh, um, uh, defensive end uh, from Michigan. And, and Brandon Bean, the, um, the Bills um, GM, is, is on record as saying that um, they will pick the best available player at that um, at that point in the draft. And um, Ollie's of the opinion that um, Cleland Farrell was the best available at that point. And, and I certainly think that Rashan Gary is the the best available um, uh, at that point um, uh, in the in the picks, um, and you know, for a player who um, was um, the number one prospect um, when he went to Michigan, um, he's not um, he's not disappointed. Um, and to me, I think um, that would be a great pick for the the Bills who need help um, all over the place, but um, um, especially in in defense. Um, and with that, the um, the Denver Broncos are now on the clock. This may well be the most predicted pick in all of mock drafts because with the 10th overall pick, the Broncos select Drew Locke, quarterback from Missouri. In the words of Dan Hansis, and I'm not going to try and do the impression, this one's for John. John Elway needs to hit on a quarterback in this draft. If he doesn't, his job's in jeopardy. And that is incredible to think, considering what he's done for that franchise. But he's missed too many times now. He has to hit on a quarterback. I'm not sure I agree with this pick in terms of talent level. But I think considering what we've seen already from the Senior Bowl and what we're hearing coming out of so many different draft analysts and media members across the NFL, the Broncos are infatuated with Drew Locke. And they are going to pick him at 10 overall. Because I don't think anyone else will trade up to get him. I just Personally, I don't see it myself. But this is this is who the Broncos are going to get. And it's kind of interesting one. Because I think, I think you're right. Broncos find themselves under um, a, a lot of pressure to get a quarterback. Because the Case Keenum thing just hasn't, hasn't worked out. If you don't think um, uh, Drew Locke's the pick, is is there a quarterback um, in the draft that is worthy of the of the pick, or are you looking at someone in free agency? See, it's a tough one because they only signed Case Keenum last year, so it's it's tough to then load up with another free agent quarterback. Although this year the class is that much better, you know, if you can, I think if you can get away, if you can get away from Keenum and go after someone like a Joe Flacco. 
to even just to tide you over a year because next year is so much better for picking quarterbacks. You know, there, there are so many good young quarterbacks in the 2020 class. If Elway can buy himself a year, and he's the kind of executive who can buy himself a year, you could get someone like a Jake Fromm or a Tuatunga Vailoa coming out early, pick them, go into the, not next season, the season after, and really load up with your rookie quarterback. I think this year is not the year to be reaching. If you can get up and you can take Dwayne Haskins, take him. Because for me, he's the only one. You know, Kyler Murray has got playmaking ability, but I just think with his at his size in the NFL, he's going to get hurt a lot. And I'm just not sure if his body can withstand facing up against the grown men that you face in the NFL. It's not like college. Size really does matter in the NFL. Even you look at a Russell Wilson, although he's he's a shorter quarterback, he's not skinny. He's still got a thick, thick build. And that helps him out. He can take hits. You know, someone like a Kyler Murray, there's not really been someone of that build succeed in the NFL over a, a long period. And so I think taking him with a really high draft pick is really, really risky. And and Ollie, we um in the in the top ten, we, we don't have the Jags picking quarterback and, and maybe more controversially, um, we don't have the Raiders picking um, uh, a quarterback. Do you see either of those teams having to... I think Raiders is a more controversial discussion, but do you see the Jags um, going for a QB? No. No, I don't. And I know um, I know Alex thinks the Raiders might um, make a move for a quarterback as well. Um, it would depend what they would have to give up to move up to get a, to get a quarterback um, because they've got a lot of picks this year, which would lend itself to thinking they could put a package of those together and move up um, to number one, even if needs be with the Cardinals. They're only moving up from four, but you know, the, even a short move like that at the top does require a lot of draft currency. They've got Mike Mayock um, driving the ship down in, as we said earlier, Oakland, Las Vegas, San Francisco, wherever it might be. Um, he he's the man that can use that currency most wisely, I suspect, across the whole of the NFL. He's the, been the premier draft analyst for a number of years, and if I think he's the man that can get him the most value out of the picks that they have without going up there. John, the relationship between Derek Carr and John Gruden clearly was rocky at times this year, which would lend itself to the theory that they might want to look how they could replace him or get, you know, get something back out of him. Because he's got a huge contract, Derek Carr, at the end of the day as well. Um, I don't see the Raiders going for a quarterback. Um, the Jags, I think, are more likely to pick up one in free agency, as we've discussed. I don't think it's Joe Flacco. And I think Alex... Uh, mentioned he thinks Flacco will stay in Washington in a in a separate conversation that we had. Um, he, he thinks he'll go to the to the Redskins as their um, their Alex Smith situation isn't going to resolve itself this year. No, I think I think Jacksonville look to repair John DeFilippo and Nick Foles. I think that's that's what you want to do if you're if you're loading up to go on another Super Bowl run. You try and pair the Super Bowl MVP quarterback with his quarterback's coach from the year that they won the, the Super Bowl. And then 
you just give it a go. You've got to try and find combinations that work. We saw Kirk Cousins and Filippo didn't work in Minnesota. But it could work here down in Jacksonville. If you get someone that Filippo's familiar with, knows how to call plays well for, it could be the kind of combination that sends the Jags over the top because they don't have to lean on their run game quite so much. Well, the good thing is we've got um, between now and um, the first week of April to talk um, a lot more about that. Um, That's all for this week's show. And I hope you enjoyed our college football podcast. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the topics we discussed. And of course, any feedback you may have, you can tweet us at at 99yards. If you're a regular listener and enjoy our show, we'd love you to leave a star review via Apple Podcast or the provider you're listening to us um, through. Uh, Thanks for listening. Flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you could save at PenFed.org slash auto refi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Curated by Kohl's latest collection is now available in select stores and at Kohl's.com. For a limited time, shop unexpected new favorites like reusable drinkware from Corksicle and fun arts and crafts from UB. Vormi's heatable plush toys are perfect for little ones. Homesick handcrafted candles are a great gift to make anyone feel at home. And who doesn't love sweet treats from Candy Club? Shop curated by Kohl's for these digital need-to-know brands and more. Tap the banner now or visit Kohl's.com.